Hey guys, and welcome back to The Health Project. I'm Jed Zimmer, your host. And tonight, I bring to you episode three of The Health Journey. Before getting into things, I want to say a massive thanks again for our listeners globally. To be reaching thousands of people over the world on a global scale, it's truly incredible. So for those that you are tuning in and being a part of this health journey, you're all a bunch of legends and I'm very grateful. Tonight's episode is a ripper as I sit down with Drew Manning, the man who is famously known as Fit to Fat to Fit. Drew went from being one of the fittest individuals on the planet to then intentionally gaining 75 pounds or 35 kilos and then losing this weight. If you're someone who's wondering why the hell would someone want to gain 75 pounds, tune in. Tune in tonight to find, first of all, why Drew did this, then how he lost the weight and how he helps his clients now lose weight. Drew is also a New York Times bestselling author for his book, Fit to Fat to Fit, as well as his most recent book, Complete Guide to Keto. Again, guys, it's an absolute ripper, and the advice that I received through Drew in this chat, I now, I now help my clients lose weight as well. So tune in and enjoy the show. Here it is with Drew Manning. Drew, it's a pleasure to have you on board. You're an icon for many, and your story is one that's truly incredible, so I'm very grateful, mate. Wow, thank you. I really appreciate that. That's very nice of you. I'm sure you would have been expecting it straight up, mate. Fit to fat to fit. You gain 75 pounds in six months. Give our listeners a little bit of a rundown. First of all, why you did this and then how you did it. Yeah, that's a good question. So this idea came back in 2011 um, where I was a personal trainer back then. And I grew up my entire life in shape. So I played uh, sports growing up. Um, I grew up in a family of 11 brothers and sisters and we all played sports. And so I never once knew what it was like to be overweight. So as a personal trainer and someone who had never been overweight a day in their life, here I was trying to help people who had been overweight pretty much every day of their life. And there was an obvious disconnect between them and me and their mentality and my mentality. I thought it was so easy. You just put down the junk food, you know, you go to the gym, you see results and it's not that hard. You just do it. (laughs) And so I had, um, uh, there was a disconnect between my clients and I, and they would tell me, you know, Drew, you don't understand what it's like and how hard it is for me. And I kind of took that to heart. And so for whatever reason, this idea of fit to fat to fit or getting fat on purpose, it kind of just popped up in my head and it made sense to me. It felt like it was a a calling, if you will, where Mm -hmm. I felt I was being called to do this crazy experiment. So that's where the idea originated. And so the idea in a nutshell was six months of, of, of no exercise, so, you know, it couldn't work out and six months of eating a standard American diet, which we all know is very unhealthy. Mm. And I did, I gained 75 pounds of pure fat in six months. So it wasn't like a bodybuilder bulking phase. <laughs> you know, this was just literally sedentary lifestyle, yeah. eating a lot of highly processed foods that we have a, an abundance of here in America. And it was one of the hardest, most humbling things I've ever done. Um, you asked about what I learned from this or what I took away from this and It was a very humbling experience because my identity was based on my body. So my my body being fit and in shape, I was Drew the fit guy. That was my part of my identity. So becoming overweight really freaked me out. I I I did freak out. I remember I wanted to go up to strangers in public and people I've never met and tell them I wasn't really overweight, that this was just an experiment, that this wasn't really me told him to go to my website <laughs> to look at my before pictures. And like, yeah. I was so uncomfortable, you know, I was so uncomfortable being overweight, but it really taught me that transformation 
is way more mental and emotional than we think. We always think it's so easy to just, you know, eat less and work out and cut calories and switch up your macros and lift weights and do this exercise program or that to manipulate your body composition. When in reality, that's not what people struggle with. Yes, they do struggle with staying consistent with that, but it's tied to these mental and emotional challenges that sometimes stem from childhood that make it hard to overcome. And my eyes were truly open during this experiment. And I realized just how wrong I was. Uh, but those were the biggest lessons I took away from, from this experiment. Mm. And Drew, when it came to the process of eliminating and losing the weight, was this something that was a lot tougher than you had originally expected? And I'm intrigued to ask, looking back now, would you have done anything differently? Yeah, it was, it was a lot harder than I thought it would be. So I kind of compare it to... <clears throat> being on top of this mountain, like all the trainers out there, all the Instagram fitness models are on top of this mountain of fitness, right? They're at the top, the clients are at the bottom. And from the top, it looks so easy. You know, it looks so simple. You can see the path pretty clearly from the top and it doesn't seem that hard because you've always been there. So you don't remember how hard that climb is. And so for me, for the first time in my life, I came down and, and climbed up from the bottom and that climb up was way harder than I thought it would be. And it gave me a new perspective. Uh, more empathy and a better understanding um, for those that struggle on that journey up. And mm-hmm. so, yeah, losing the weight was was a lot harder than I thought it would be, especially when it comes to um, switching up your nutrition. So uh, I remember the first two weeks of going from eating junk food <laughs> to eating healthy. Mm-hmm. Those first two weeks sucked really bad. It was way harder than I thought it would be because my body was literally fighting back against me and my willpower to because it wanted, it craved that junk food that it, it, had for, it had had for the past six months. And it was like I was going through withdrawal symptoms as if I was a drug addict. Like I wanted the yeah. high yep. from that food. And I didn't realize how powerful that would be. And that's where it clicked for me. Like, oh, this is what my clients have been telling me. This is why they struggle mm. to stay consistent eating healthy food. Because sometimes, you know, uh, you know physiologically and and biologically our bodies want <laughs> crave the junk food and makes yeah. it harder and so for me i, I realized the how powerful the emotional connection to food really is and now knowing that how does it how do you go about it do you sort of does that mean you allow some of these clients um to sort of have more cheat meals here and there how do you make the transition with them so it doesn't feel like that yeah, that's a tough one because here's the thing. Each, each individual client is a different approach, right? I wish there was a one-size-fits-all approach that worked for every single person. Like, for example, you and I, Jed, we could probably go cold turkey, stop eating sugar or junk food or alcohol, and stay strict for six months if we had to, right? A lot of people out there don't have that willpower where they, they, literally, just, they, they literally can't do it. So the biggest thing that I found that works for my clients is a support system and yep. accountability. So if they try and willpower the way through it by themselves, what's going to happen is after a week or two, they're going to eventually give in because at some point they're going to have a stressful day. Um, they're going to have a hard time, you know, resisting that temptation and they haven't switched up their environment in their house yet because their pantries are still full with junk food and the refrigerator is still full with processed food. And so mm. it's hard to make that transition. What I've learned and this is a good book for anyone listening is, is read this book called Willpower Doesn't Work by Benjamin Hardy. It's a great book at realizing that it, you're not the problem so much. It's your environment that you've adapted to is, is, is the problem. And humans are great 
at adapting to new environments. And so if you learn how to switch up your environment, you will adapt to that new environment and be forced to adapt to it. And that's where change eventually happens. So, you know, it could be as simple as, you know, laying out your workout clothes the night before or sleeping in your workout clothes the night before, uh, prepping your meals at nighttime before you go to bed so that when you wake up, your refrigerator and pantry and cupboards are only full with healthy food. Um, you know, you go out to work with like-minded people or you go out to lunch with like-minded people that uh, you start working out with or maybe you join a fitness group where you are forced to do a different type of workout and you're doing it as a community. There's lots of different ways to shape your environment mm. and then your environment then in turn shapes you. Mm. And Drew, the ketogenic diet, whereabouts you stumble across this on the journey? Was this something you know, that you were implementing prior to putting on this weight or was it during the elimination stages that you started to, to stumble across the benefits of fat loss and health with the ketogenic diet? Yeah, that happened. I stumbled upon keto about five years ago. I was listening to a podcast with Tim Ferriss and Dr. Dominic D'Agostino mm-hmm. um, and listening to the science behind this, this diet that I knew about. I knew what, what it was and it had been around for a while, but it wasn't mainstream yet. I didn't know or realize there was so much scientific research being done on a diet for things like epilepsy and seizures and Alzheimer's and Parkinson's and traumatic brain injury and all kinds of therapeutic applications. I thought it was just another weight loss diet like all diets are, but I didn't realize there was so much other uh, scientific research being done on this diet. And so it really intrigued me. And that's where I jumped in, started doing my own experiments and then from there got invited to go on the Dr. Oz show uh, to talk about it. And then that's where I I fell in love with it for two reasons. One, I didn't really lose weight or lose fat doing keto. But what I found is that my brain was so much sharper. My, the mental clarity was through the roof compared to my diet before. And I wasn't a slave to food. So before I would, you know, eat six meals a day, every three hours, you know, set my timer, have my Tupperware container, take food with me everywhere I went in fear of losing my muscle mass. And once I went keto, you know, your satiety increases. So you're, you're, uh, you're not as hungry as often. I could eat once or twice a day, be totally satisfied. My digestion is way better. My mental clarity is, has increased. My cognitive uh, function has increased as well. I feel great, you know, during my workouts. So I'm like, man, this is way more of a, a, a lifestyle that I can sustain because I'm not having to eat six or seven times a day. And my digestion is, is way better. And I can certainly adhere to the cognitive and digestion benefits um, when it comes to implementing the ketogenic diet, either cycling with it or long-term, not only for myself, but also with a few clients. We have experimented with this and the digestion and, and the cognitive benefits seem to be the two most that do improve dramatically. I want to ask about muscle building when it comes to the ketogenic diet. Obviously, there's now some research suggesting that ketones can actually help with muscle sparing and there's a lot of myths out there that you need significant carbohydrates in your diet to build muscle and that when it comes to a ketogenic diet, what's the philosophy on building muscle? So a couple of reasons. Once you learn more about the science behind keto, you realize that ketones are very protein sparing. So your body's ability to maintain its muscle mass while eating keto is increased because your, your body's going to preserve that lean muscle mass uh, by using ketones as its primary fuel source. So that was, the, that was one thing. Um, two, you also, you also have to be lifting weights still. I still was lifting weights. I was doing CrossFit. Um, mm-hmm. And so uh, even though I was eating less protein than what 
the traditional bodybuilder diet, you know, recommends, which is about a pound uh, or sorry, one gram of protein to about one pound of lean muscle mass. Uh, at least that's the metric, you know, it's pretty common here in the United States. Yeah. Um, but I was eating around 100 grams of protein, which is about half my body weight mm. and still able to maintain by uh, an elevation in blood ketones. So as you do the ketogenic diet and your blood ketone levels go up, there's ketones present in your blood. And now your, your ability to maintain that muscle mass has increased uh, without having to eat a ton of protein. As far as gaining muscle, though, that's a different approach. You can definitely do it on keto. You have to be in a calorie surplus. Yep. But I will say it's probably easier for most people to do a high-protein, high-carb approach. Right. Uh, building muscle mass, you can do it on keto, but it just depends on the person. There's a lot of bio-individuality uh, when it comes to that. Mm. But um, for me, when I go through phases of putting on lean muscle mass, I'll do what's called a cyclical ketogenic diet, which is yep. kind of like carb cycling. Carb cycling. And what would this carb cycling consist of and what would be the structure of it? Would this be, you know, your typical 5-1 approach with five days of full ketosis followed by refuel day with the carbohydrates just a one day a week? Would you recommend on a daily basis with refeeds, whether it be of an evening? I know for myself, I like this approach being in a state of ketosis throughout the day and then I might refuel at night with my carbs, which is generally around my training sessions. So for you personally, how would you implement this and what do you recommend? Yeah, so in the beginning, I would do the five and one or five yep. and two type of approach. And that seemed to work really good as far as, plus that was easier to maintain a lifestyle because people think once you go keto, you have to stay keto and you can't have carbohydrates ever again. It's just not true. Yep. I think a five, two approach is great for one, building muscle if you're strict with your lifting and, mm -hmm. and staying on your macros because what happens is on those two days off, you want to really use a teeter-totter approach where, you know, the other five days, your, your fats are high and your carbs are low. But then on the high carb days, you got to bring your fats down significantly and increase those, those healthy carbs. I try not to do a, a Pop-Tart approach or like a, you know, sugary processed yeah. uh, carbohydrate approach. I like to do fruits and potatoes and sweet potatoes and rice on those days. Okay. And I'll, bring my fat, I'll bring my fats way down and have more lean Lean, lean meats instead of fattier cuts of meat like I do the other five days. But then as far as the Ben Greenfield approach, having carbs at night, what I've noticed doing that, because I've done both approaches, what I've noticed doing that is um, I'm still able to get the benefits of keto throughout the day. Mm -hmm. And at nighttime, when I bring in the carbohydrates, sometimes I get sleepy, which is a great time to introduce carbohydrates at nighttime because it does help with sleep. Yeah. And so I do tend to sleep better, which, in, you know, in the in in the end, it equates to uh, better recovery because I am sleeping better. So those are two approaches that I've kind of messed around with. I do like the second approach, adding in carbs at nighttime. But yep. sometimes I like the results of my body composition doing five days on and two days off where I don't have carbs every single day. And right. I feel a, uh, a little bit leaner and tighter uh, doing the, the other five to two approach. And with your second approach of implementing the carbs of an evening, how easy is it for your body to get back into a state of ketosis after a full night's sleep? Obviously, with no eating, do you naturally shift back into that state of ketosis with this approach if you are doing this on a daily basis? Or are you going to sort of – will you miss out on those ketogenic benefits if you are having the carbs of an evening? It depends on the person. So for me, I get back in pretty quickly within – because I'm not going ham, like going crazy on carbohydrates that night. I'll probably – 
still keep it under a hundred grams. Yep. Um, which, you know, I'm with the amount of lean muscle mass I have and how long I've been doing keto for, I'm pretty keto adapted now to where with the, you know, by lunchtime the next day, I'm already back in cause I'll skip breakfast mm. and eat a, a ketogenic lunch. And then I'm usually with it uh, back in ketosis by lunchtime. For yeah. someone that is just getting started, though, they're not going to see that happen. It, it might take them a, a day or two, more a, a couple days or more to get back into ketosis. So what I tell people is do a keto adaptation phase, which is about 30 to 60 days of strict keto. Don't yep. worry about uh, cyclical keto di uh, diet or targeted keto diet. Don't, don't touch carbs for the first 30 to 60 days. Really allow your body time to adapt to ketones as its primary fuel source. And then from there, after that, your body should be pretty adapted and right. your ability to get back in should be enhanced. Is there anything during that time, um, obviously the keto flu is something that people touch on a bit during the first couple of weeks. They just really struggle with it and that's the turning point for them. They say they can't do it anymore. Is there anything you can sort of add in to help make that transition to keto a little bit easier? Yeah, so this is the problem that people just tend to jump in and they don't do the research first. They'll just eat butter, bacon, and cheese all yeah. day long and think that they're in ketosis. But what, what you need to realize is the imbalance of electrolytes that tends to happen when people go keto because they're switching uh, fats for carbohydrates. And when you have no carbohydrates in your body, you're not consuming any, your, your body's not going to retain as much water. And so what happens is you lose a lot of water, which is great for weight loss, but you lose a lot of those minerals and electrolytes that need to be replenished. And when you don't replenish those, you experience what's called the keto flu. And so supplementing with salt, especially the first week or two, is really, really important. So I'm talking about about two teaspoons a day or five to eight grams of salt per day added to whether you take a salt shot, whether you add salt to your food um, or take salt pills. You might have need you got it. First couple of weeks. Have you, have you got a particular salt, a pink Himalayan salt, um, sea salt, or just salt in general? So the best one I found is uh, Redmond Real Salt. It's called yeah. Real Salt. They have a really good, they have a mine here in Utah that I've gone and visited. So I know the source of where the salt comes from and it's clean, it's pure, mm. nothing added to it. It's, it's an ancient seabed with all the minerals still intact. Um, pink Himalayan salt, it's, it's good. And you just don't know where it comes from. Sea salt sometimes... Yeah. Same thing. You don't know what part of the ocean. Are there microplastics in the salt? Mm. What part of the ocean was it taken from? Are there any pollutants in it? You don't really know. So what I like to do is, is I like real salt first. Then if you can't find that or don't have access to it, uh, pink Himalayan salt is a good yep. close second. Uh, but try and find one that yeah has no impurities or, or microplastics or other pollutants that could be in it. So yeah, real salt is the one that I like to use. And when it comes to the training side of things, Drew, building muscle, losing fat, you know, these are the common goals of everyone, whether it be male, female, young, old, everyone wants to build muscle and lose fat. Do you think these two can happen simultaneously? It's a question I love asking because I am I am asked about it a lot myself as a personal trainer. I know I, what I like to say is it's important to address one goal first. So if your goal is to if your goal is to purely build muscle and add strength then that should be your main focus and that's what you should address. During that time, you are going to lose some fat. Obviously, it's going to come naturally with building muscle, but you need to have a clear focus in mind. I want to ask what your view is towards this and do you think they can occur simultaneously? That's such a good question. That's the ultimate goal of every bodybuilder or lifter out there is, is to, yeah, that's it. to be able to do both. Here's the thing. I will tell you this. It's extremely hard to do both at the same time. Yeah. Um, and I'm not saying you can't. 
I'm just saying it's, it's very, it's very minimal progress for the amount of effort that's, that you need to put into it. And so some people just like weight loss, they want instant results. They want five pounds of lean muscle mass gain and five pounds of fat loss lost in the first month and want that, that progress every single month. Mm. When reality is just not the case. That's not going to happen for most people. Um, and so what I like to do for, for everyone that's listening that is trying to do that approach, you have to mix in uh, a variety of exercises to give you the benefits of both muscle gain and weight loss. So what that looks like is I'll probably do three days of heavy lifting per week for, yep. you know, at a minimum for everyone. And then uh, I'll probably do two days of high intensity interval training cardio of some type. It can be with uh, lighter weights or it can be just, you know, uh, a treadmill or a stair stepper or a bike or a rower, some type of machine like that for cardio. Mm-hmm. And then what that does for most people is it gives you the benefits of, of, of putting on some muscle, those three or four. So for some people, four days of heavy lifting, but I say three and yep. then two days of high intensity interval training. Those five days right there probably give you the most bang for your buck when okay. it comes to that approach. What, what about with individual specific goals? How does it differ? Say, what would a training program look like for someone who just wants to purely build muscle as opposed to fat loss? Yeah, so if you're, looking to, if you're looking to build muscle, I would say cut out majority of cardio, unless it's for you know, part of your therapy, it's part of your stress relief. Uh, mm-hmm. then, and I would say don't get rid of it, but maybe it's something like playing basketball with friends once a week or it's, it's, it's running with your family or whatever it is, something mm-hmm. that's enjoyable. I'm okay with it once a week, but four to five days dedicated to heavy lifting, calorie surplus, uh, uh, heavy focus on rest and recovery and sleep to build that muscle, right? Because you're breaking it down in the gym, rest, recovery will help build it eventually. Um, and then, uh, sorry, what was the other part of the question? Fat loss. Fat loss. So fat loss would be still do, you still need, I would say, minimum of two days a week of heavy lifting Mm -hmm. uh, because the more muscle you have, the more fat you're going to burn, right? And that you increase your metabolic rate. So it's super important to still lift heavy, even if your goal is fat loss, but you can mix it up and do maybe two to three days of high intensity interval training cardio, or maybe one day of long steady state cardio on the stair stepper. Um, But still like people think that they just, they just gravitate to cardio for fat loss and then they lose muscle and fat which yeah. slows down their metabolic rate. So minimum, no matter who you are, whether it's fat loss or muscle gain, mm-hmm. minimum two days of heavy lifting. Right. Is it, do you have any other lifestyle hacks, um, I guess you could say, to speed up fat loss? I know what I've found is, a, for instance, cold shower or cold thermogenesis, first thing in the morning will actually, that helps stabilize my blood sugar levels. Um, little things like if I'm going to have carbohydrates, I make sure I go for a walk, post that meal or have apple cider vinegar pre that meal um is there any lifestyle hacks that can help with fat loss yeah that's a good that's a good question there's some things that i i personally recommend like like you said cold water therapy um things like meditation getting Mm -hmm. uh, vitamin d from the sun but also supplementing there's a few things like that that aren't you're not going to get ripped from doing that alone like that doesn't replace exercise and eating healthy right but what it, what it does uh, do for your body and your mind is if you see, if you understand that there's a correlation between the mental, the mo- or emotional and spiritual and the physical, what happens is when you get good at taking a cold bath or a cold shower first thing in the morning, going for a walk and getting some vitamin D, uh, focusing on sleep, um, learning how to meditate, which helps you be more present in the moment, it leads to more mindful eating, 
and it can lead to more of a mind muscle connect, an improved mind muscle connection in the gym, which can lead to better results, more fat loss in, in the long run. Those are some, those are some little hacks that I like to do, uh, getting out in the sun every, uh, every single day, whether it's first thing in the morning or maybe as the sun is going down, uh, to make sure your vitamin D levels are optimal, which in turn leads to more balanced hormones, which can lead to, uh, more fat loss. Um, let's see what else. Any other hacks other than that? But if I had an infrared sauna, that plus cold water therapy, like jumping in a cold ice bath or a cold shower, mm. is great for uh, for fat loss. And so uh, with your with your cold thermogenesis, is that thirty seconds hot, thirty seconds cold in the shower, or just a pure cold shower? So I'll start out warm, and this is the way I I teach people how to do a cold shower because a lot of people think they just jump in, it's freezing cold the whole time. Mm. Jump in when it's warm. You know, get all get all lathered up, and then the last sixty seconds to one hundred twenty seconds, put it on freezing cold. And then, if you want to mix it up, once you get good at that, then you can even jump in. You know, thirty seconds on, thirty seconds off. Yeah. Um, but if I had access to an infrared sauna and uh, let's say a cold uh, a cold bath, like an ice bath, mm. I would jump in and out, um, maybe a minute on, minute off in each of those. Yeah. Man, I will do some 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 good for your body for sure awesome you touched on supplements a little bit do you have a a daily supplement protocol i do um okay so i do start out my morning with uh mct oil in my coffee i have my own brand of supplements that i use but um uh you know i'm not here to pitch that but i do have some (laughs) fats i do have some healthy fats first thing in the morning um and then from there i'll add in vitamin d3 plus k2 i'll add it krill oil i'll mm-hmm. add in astaxanthin uh it's this company from hawaii i love their stuff mm-hmm. i do spirulina um and i do hold on there's magnesium yep and hold on i'm going through the list in my head uh and then i'll take some garlic and ginger with that um, okay any specifically um what from following a ketogenic approach like for instance vitamin k vitamin d is any of that do you think you have to be more conscious of when following a ketogenic approach yeah this is where the bioindividuality comes into play it depends yep. on the person you got to get yourself tested so this yep. is what i think our society probably has to do a better job of is getting mm. tested to find out what your levels are because we just look at a supplement and it's like oh this is good for me so more equals better but in reality that's not true with all supplements so if you're taking too much vitamin d um, and, and a bunch of it, like magnesium, for example, you're taking too much, it's going to do some damage to your body for sure. Yep. So get tested, find out what your optimal levels are, see where you're at first, get a baseline. Mm-hmm. And then from there, either just accordingly, whether you need more or less of certain supplements. Awesome. And Drew, the morning routine, I know this is something that you're extremely passionate about. So just to finish off, I'd love for you to go into depth, just a little bit about what this looks like for you and why it's so important. I know for me, I preach a morning routine. I've got a close friend of mine who jokes about win in the morning and win the day. But what we find is through implementing the morning routine, it really does set up productivity, energy levels, your mood, and I think organization throughout the day. And on days where you might not actually get a chance to sort of stick to that morning routine, it's generally speaking those days in which things don't go so well. So for you personally, what what does your morning routine look like? Yeah, it does. So... Um, you know, I'm a father to two girls. So to all the parents listening out there, I just just understand that I understand the struggle of trying to be consistent with the morning routine. But sometimes kids come first and 
and doesn't always go perfect. So it's not about being perfect. That's what I want to let people know. It's about just doing the best you can with what you have on certain, certain days. So for example, if one of my girls has a nightmare, I'm going to choose to sleep in probably because I didn't sleep well that night because they woke me up and I have to calm them down and get them back to sleep. Then I'll fall asleep. Uh, but a typical morning routine for me is I'll get up. Um, I will drink some water with some uh, real salt and then uh, I'll go meditate, positive mm -hmm. affirmations, uh, gratitude lists, and then I'll do red light therapy. I'll, I like Juve. Their, uh, their brand is really good. This little awesome. at-home device. I love that. And that's kind of the way I start my morning. That's about probably 20 minutes first thing in the morning. Yep. And then from there, I'll make my coffee, make my girls breakfast, make them their school lunches. But well, when school was in session right now, it's, it's out because of the coronavirus. Um, and, uh, and that's pretty much my morning routine right there. All righty, Drew, short and sharp, your favorite exercises for fat loss? That's a great question. It's, it's probably not as sexy as people think. <laughs> it's probably, uh, I'll say some heavy lifts such as deadlifts, whether that's a hex bar deadlift or a sumo squat deadlift. Uh, that one's probably a great full body exercise squats as well. Mm -hmm. uh, and then from there, overhead press is a great okay. one for your, for your upper body. And then pull-ups, push-ups, any kind of body weight exercises I'm a huge fan of. So pull-ups, push-ups, and dips. And then from there, some type of, of cardio where your heart rate is elevated mm. to pretty close, I would say above 150 or whatever you're closer to your max heart rate is. For some people, it could be 180 or close to 200 for some people. Um, in, getting your heart up there for a short period of time, you know, 10 seconds even, is a great way to um, to focus on fat loss. So whether it's sprint intervals on a treadmill or a rowing machine, I love that. Well, there you have it, guys. Perform those exercises to look like Drew Manning. Drew, I appreciate you jumping on, brother. It's been awesome chatting, so thank you. Thanks, brother. Appreciate that. Stay safe out there, Jed. I will. Thank you very much, Drew. Bye.